0: Good morning, Do of Hope? My name is Jason. I'll be uh, reading today's scripture. Uh, we'll be going over Mark chapter 9, verses 38 to 41. And John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. This is the word of God. Well, good morning, everybody. In case you don't know me, my name is Josh, and uh, I'm moving things out of the way because I have a weird thing about it. I'm gonna, and this looks very expensive, so I'm gonna get that out of the way, too. Um, hi, I'm Josh. If you're watching online, hi. Welcome, welcome you guys. It's great to see, um, <clears throat> I think this is the first time I've, I've preached here at Door of Hope Northeast to uh, unmasked faces. This is pretty, pretty special for me. Mind you, that means I can tell if you're sleeping or not. Just kidding. Uh, I hope there will be no, uh, no snoozing, but no guarantees. Um, okay. Here we are. We're in the book of Mark. The scripture has been read for you. Uh, I always, uh, maybe not always, I'm trying to stay away from exaggeration, but very often I like to just take a moment and remind us uh, why we do this. Here at Door of Hope, we believe in the Bible. We believe that this is the Word of God, and we believe that These ancient writings, this this book that was written by uh, several authors over several thousand years, this book that's full of angst and fear and hope and love and desire and instruction and, and all these human things that we experience, it's full of that. God has somehow taken these human words and bound them to himself and made them his own so that it becomes his word to us. To everyone every human being for all time across all cultures and generations and it, you know we read it we study it and sometimes it's confusing and irritating and infuriating and it just it challenges us and we have to wrestle with it so um, if I or Cameron or anybody else up here says something that challenges you I hope it's because it 's in god 's word and that challenge is a good thing challenge is always a good thing so I just want to remind us of that. Um, this, is why, this is why we're doing this. We need a challenge because we're not okay. We're not okay where we are. Uh, if I had it all together, I certainly would not be here. I certainly would not be saying, I need Jesus and I need to tell other people about him. So <clears throat> there's the disclaimer. This is why we're getting into God's word. So we're in Mark, Mark chapter 9. But before we get there, uh, to set things up, I thought I would pose a question. This is a great way to get people's minds, I guess, in, in the right space for it. But here's the question. Have you ever been, have you ever been a part of something that, uh, where maybe, maybe you were like on the front end or you were part of like the inner circle and then it started to gain traction outside and then other people started kind of joining in, they're kind of late comers, late jumping on the bandwagon and you go, who are these posers coming in here? That was me in high school, I was, I was really into skateboarding. I was down, uh, I lived down in the Medford area, which you know, fashion and trend wise might be 60 years behind New York or something like that. But I somehow was ahead of the curve on that one. So, uh, so I was really into skateboarding, wanted to identify with skateboarding culture and then all of a sudden all these jocks and preppy people and their parents were Wearing their zero shirts and their toy machine hats and their Muska shoes, and I'd be like, "Those shoes aren't even scraped up. You don't even skate. You're a poser, you know." Or I'd say, "Well, you only know about zero because you play Tony Hawk Pro Skater, you know." I have these this sort of aggravation about these Johnny Come Latelys who are just sort of riding the fashion wave. You ever had something like that? Or maybe. Maybe you're one of those very, very rare people here in Portland who's, who's into the NFL. <laughs> don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. But I imagine, I imagine if you, were, if you were really, truly a Seattle Seahawks fan, and then I don't know how many years ago, seven or eight years ago, they start winning a few Super Bowls. And then now all of a sudden you see people wearing Seattle Seahawks stuff here in Portland. I'm like, nobody cares about the NFL, why are you wearing that now? If you were a real Seahawks fan, you're like, "We, I've been with them since they were nothing. And now all these front runners are jumping on board. You know what I'm talking about? Or, you know i 'm poking at things that probably you aren 't personally like connecting with, but what about like the, the more personal individualized form of this? Maybe you had something you really want to do for a living you 're really wanting to get in on some kind of profession music, something intellectual i don 't know and so you go you work really hard, you get into the right schools, then you get into the right grad school, and then you 're working for peanuts at an internship so that you can get the experience so you can get the job but it 's really competitive, so you 're trying to get your foot in the door, and then somebody starts a YouTube channel. <laughs> and they have hundreds of thousands of followers and probably hundreds of thousands of dollars cuz they have their Patreon account that everybody's dumping money into. And you start going, who is this guy or girl? Be the equal there, okay? Who who is this person? Where did you go to school? Where did you have your internships at? You know, are are you really credible? Do you just listen to do you just listen to talk radio and podcasts and so you're just repeating what other people say and you don't actually bring any of your own ideas? You know? We're offended by this. So either way, one, one way or another, uh, we all have this, this thing in us, this thing in us that wants to be part of like the in-group, the OG, we were here first, um, and then when somebody else jumps on board or somebody else cuts in, maybe they're better at it than us or they achieve more success than us, we're upset. We're irritated. That's just part of like the natural human condition. You know, whether it's morally or socially or some other way, we want to be part of the in-group. I think that's, that's kind of what's happening here here in this text. But just a little bit of context. If, you know, there's some of you who are, who are uh, listening to this or looking at me here. And maybe this is your first time, and uh, I just want to do a little bit of recap on Mark to get us here. So for the first eight chapters of Mark... Mark has been chasing down this question of who is Jesus. He does that by presenting snapshot after snapshot, incident after incident of Jesus doing something amazing, saying something amazing, and then people responding. And then suddenly in chapter eight, Jesus is outed. That question is answered. Who is Jesus? He's the Messiah. Peter outs him. And then uh, if that's not enough, God the Father outs him on the Mount of Transfiguration, <laughs> you know. He goes up on this mountain with two of his disciples, and he literally starts glowing. You know, if, if you were on a hike in the gorge, and someone you were with just started glowing, that would be weird. That would really be, you would probably freak out. Um, so he starts glowing, and then God himself says, this is my son, whom I love, listen to him. So it's, it, you have the, the human people saying, this is Messiah, and then you have God himself saying, this is my son, listen to him. Okay, so the question from there on out is going to shift away from who is Jesus to what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to believe him? Are you going to follow him? Are you going to follow him when he says things that irritate you, that aggravate you, when he says things that, that grind against your gears and pull at Every fiber of your being are you still going to follow him? That is really the question, and one of the reasons why I say that <clears throat> is because immediately after he comes down from the mountain, he encounters a boy who has demons whose his disciples were not able to cast out that demon, and the father of this boy. Says, I don't even know if this is possible. And Jesus says, anything is possible for the one who believes. And he he cries out and says, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's actually the refrain that we should be saying through the, the rest of the next couple chapters, because Jesus is going to start saying things that are unbelie- that would have been unbelievable to the people in his time. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna nerd out here just for a couple minutes. A couple of you will be super happy about that, and the rest of you, uh, just stay with me, okay? <laughs> so this, this section, we're in the middle of a section that forms, that forms a complete unit of text, and the way we know that is because there is what scholars call an inclusio. Okay, here, now you can, um, you can press your friends with this. The idea of an inclusio means that there, there's, it starts and ends with the same thing, right? And what's important is, is everything that's going on in between there. They're all trying to say the same thing. So uh, a couple weeks ago, Cameron taught on the text where Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go die. I'm going to go die. And then immediately after that, last week, Cameron talks about how the disciples start jockeying for position of who's going to be the greatest among them. Well, that's going to happen again at the end of chapter 10. So what's imp- it's, it's they don't have exclamation points or bold text back then. These are ways of like saying, hey, hey, you should pay attention to what's, to what's in here inside this bracket. So what, what goes on inside that bracket is some, some really, really important stuff that was important for them and also important for us. So Jesus addresses things like, for example, our relationship to status and the pecking orders of society. He talks about, um, can you get out of an unhappy marriage? What do you do with the bother of children? How do do we relate to wealth or money? You know, questions that we never think about or ask anymore, these totally irrelevant questions. That was a joke, by the way. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying here. Okay, so Jesus is gonna address some really important things and his answers are going to be, should be shocking to us. You know, I, I would argue that this section is akin to something like Mark's version of the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus is going to say things where you should be going, that's not true, <laughs> is that true, really? He's gonna say those kinds of things. So for example, let's start at the, the first bookend of the Inclusio. Okay, the question is, okay, not Messiah's here, what's he gonna do for us? And Jesus' answer is, I'm gonna die. Is that the right answer? Is that the right answer, Jesus? I thought it was, you're gonna like, deliver us from Roman occupation. And then last week, there's this question of like, how do I have have significance or importance? And Jesus' answer is, you know what, become insignificant, (laughs) become unimportant. And you should be going, I believe, help my unbelief. You know, we nod and we're like, yeah, Jesus says those kinds of things, isn't it amazing? And then we go walk out of this room and then we go like climb the ladder it's like exactly the opposite of what he said. So we have a way of doing this. We have a way of doing this. None of us is, <clears throat> is immune from that. So that's what's going on. This, this week here, I would say, continues that same thought of like status, um, except for it's, it's maybe a more collective form. So what do we do about, you know, what do we do when we find ourselves like on this inner ring and other people are like trying to get in? What do you do about that? Well, Jesus has formed an exclusive group. He's formed this group of 12 apostles. And obviously, like, what happens is they catch someone else casting out a demon in Jesus' name. Now, keep in mind, this is something Jesus taught them to do. You know, they've been following Jesus for a long time. Day in and day out, they've been with Jesus. And he's taught them to do this, and they've gone and done it. And now they see some upstart who's not even one of us. He's doing what we can do. And so we tried to stop him they say. And by the way, the text doesn't say if this guy is a genuine believer, like maybe he's like, pick me, pick, maybe I can be the 13th apostle, like can Jesus, just one more. You know, maybe he's really an adamant follower of Jesus. Or maybe he's like, well, that's cool what they did. I'm going to try to, in Jesus' name, you know, like abracadabra. He doesn't care about the movement or anything. He's like, hey, this would be a cool thing to do. Doesn't say doesn't say where this guy's at. And according to Jesus, it doesn't matter. You know, on his, like Jesus' answer isn't, hey, go find out if this guy's legit. And if he is, then don't stop him. But if he's not legit, then stop him. You know, Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say it at all. So let's go through this. Let's go through this a little more slowly. He actually has, Jesus gives three reasons why he tells them not to stop him. Did you notice that? So he says four three times here. That four operates like a because, right? Jesus said, do not stop him for no one who does mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. So let's start with that one. What's Jesus getting at here? I think what Jesus is getting at is he's, he's actually working through their inner motivations for why they're stopping him. You ever wonder why you do things you do? Sometimes you don't know and you have to go to a counselor who helps you figure out why you do the things you do. I think this first motive is, is, is relatively admirable, you know. Hey, no one who does a mighty work in my name will, afterward, will uh, be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. They're concerned, are you, are you guys trying to stop him because you're concerned about me? Are you concerned that he's gonna give me bad press? Are you concerned that he's he's truly committed to me, like he's actually going to do something um, on my behalf and not do something against me? Is that what your concern is? Jesus says, don't stop him because it's going to be good press. He'll still give me good press. May May not look like it now, but he will. Okay, second one. Verse 40, Jesus says, do not stop him for the one who is not against us is for us now this I think addresses a more interior con- uh, uh, concern for the movement here he's not against us he's for us so they have this concern for Jesus Jesus we're really concerned that this guy is um, is is cutting in on you he's gonna make you look bad and now it's well Jesus we don't know if this guy's really part of our movement maybe he's a competitor maybe he's gonna lead people astray you know, maybe they were, this guy's not wearing our jersey. He's not flying our flag. So we don't really know which side this guy is on. Jesus says, don't worry about it. If he's not against you, he's for you. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Han Solo in the, remember the original Star Wars? Original, like the first one, which was the fourth one. Anyways, it's the first one that they ever made. Han Solo, remember him? I don't want anything to do with your rebellion. But he's helping the rebellion all along the way, Right? He's not against you. He's for you. Now, just a little sidebar. Um, I think that one reason why Mark is doing this is because by the time Mark writes, the 12 have sort of been scattered abroad. The church has spread wide. You've got churches from all over the place. It's very diverse. And so you're going to have churches that people haven't heard about. They're going to come and they're going to claim, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, I know Jesus. And so Mark's trying, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is inspiring Mark to put this text in there uh, to help the church not get caught up in these divisions over, well, which apostle are you from, you know, which teacher do you follow? And if you know your Bible well, you'll know that in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses this directly. This idea of like rivalries within the church, people have their preferred teacher or their um, preferred, nowadays you'd call it your preferred church to go to. Um, But Paul's point, and I think Mark's point, is that God's the one, this is God's work. This is God's work that's going on. And he's going to use whatever means he chooses, and he's not going to ask your permission. So, uh, here's a question, Door of Hope. Are, Are you okay with with God using people outside of Door of Hope?" Oh, you're probably like, yeah, of course. What about outside of, you know, modern-day conservative evangelicalism? You know, what if, what, if they're, uh, what if they're theologically progressive? God still use them? Now, I'm saying that, I'm kind of saying that in a teasy sort of way. <clears throat> Because we do kind of form our little tribes, and we think that, well, we're doing God's work, and we sort of question anybody who isn't in our tribe. Great example, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about how we like to rag on Joel Osteen. He's kind of like low-hanging fruit, like pretty pretty heavy punching bag. And how, yeah, it's funny. We talk about him, his gospel of positivity and, the, and um, prosperity gospel and all that. But also, you know, his, his church employs something like 50 full-time therapists, so anybody in their church can go get therapy for free. And, you know, it, it, we, we look at it, I look at it, and go like, this is a false prosperity gospel, whatever. And that's, and I, I don't, I'm not backing away from that, but at the same time, he has a message that says, God cares about you and your material needs cares about you right now. And for some people, they, they don't believe in a God who actually cares about them. And they'll hear it from Joel. They won't listen to me or Cameron, but they'll hear it from Joel. Now, I'm not saying that uh, doctrine doesn't matter or that we should never challenge somebody um, for having weird teaching that's against Jesus. What I am saying is that God can work through people you don't expect. He can work outside of the tribe. It's his church, it's his job to make things go the way he's gonna want them to go. Okay, so according to Jesus, his honor and his mission are not threatened by those who are mistaken in their theology, and he'll still move things forward in spite of them. By the way, this gives me great comfort because um, I'm probably mistaken in a lot of ways. In fact, I'm sure I am. If I knew what those things were, I would try and correct them. I don't know what they are right now. But uh, I don't know if anyone, other than Jesus, is going to have it all right. So we probably should have a little bit of um, compassion and say, hey, you know, um, word, help. <laughs> and maybe not beat up on others who were like, you're so obviously mistaken. Well, you know what, the old, as the old saying goes, if Jesus couldn't work with our mistakes, he wouldn't have anything to work with. So... I take great comfort in that. All right. End of the sidebar. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go back here. Okay, so the first two are addressing, like, Jesus. What about Jesus' honor? Second one. Uh, what about the movement? Is this, is this guy going to threaten the movement? What about the third one? Well, the third one is, he says, okay, don't stop him. for four, truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Now, that's kind of weird. It's kind of a non sequitur, not really sure, it it's, doesn't seem to be patently obvious what Jesus is getting at here. I think of two things here. One is this could just be another way of saying like, hey, reward is for those who give honor, give due honor to those who belong to Christ. So, you know, this guy, uh, anyone else who, who gives honor to somebody who belongs to Christ, um, they will have a reward once again. It's all about what the Lord does. I think that there's a little bit more going on than, than just that. So notice again, he doesn't say, uh, for truly I say to you, whoever gives someone a cup of water to drink because they belong to Christ, by no means use a reward. Notice the pronoun he uses. Okay. You want to go to the next slide? Uh, notice the pronoun in the first one, me. And then in the second one, it's us. I think it's on the next slide. So, us, and then the last one is you, or it's a y'all, okay? So, he's, he's working through these motivations, okay? The first motivation is, is, I'm concerned about Jesus, that's the me, and then I'm concerned about us, the group, and then the last one is y'all, like you guys individually, okay? So, Jesus is working his way down to the, to the real motive, actually, right? Because very often when you're offended, you know, like I wasn't, when I was offended about skateboarding, like, oh, you're wearing that toy machine shirt. You never heard of Ed Templeton. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you're wearing that Zero shirt. You don't care about Jamie Thomas. You know, like, no, I'm, I'm not actually concerned for the guys who own these companies who are, like, if I was, I'd be like, Good on them. They're, they're making money and getting supported by, you know, by these other guys. So I don't actually care about them. And I'm not like, well, cool. A lot of people are like more into skateboarding. It's becoming more popular. More people are having fun doing this thing. No, a- actually what's going on is my own bruised ego. That's, that's what's really going on. So this is what Jesus is getting at, I think. Uh, we don't want to admit that it's our ego. We, we, we want to say it's about this, that, or the other. Now, the disciples didn't go out and say that. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, we're concerned about your movement. Maybe they did, but that's not in the text. I'm just saying that's implied from the way Jesus responds. He's actually drilling down to the, to the bottom of their motives. And ultimately, it's about me. He's getting down to this desire we all have to get into or stay in or bar people from what C.S. Lewis calls the inner ring. So I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis because that's always a good idea. Uh, He says, I believe that in all men's lives by the way, he uses men inclusively. So sorry, ladies, you don't get out of this one. Um, I believe that in all men's lives at certain periods and in many men's lives at all periods between infancy and extreme old age, one of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left outside. So. Notice that he he has like two sides of, of this one coin. It's that desire to be on the inside in the fear, the terror of being on the outside. And I think that's what these guys are really are really struggling with. They're like, okay, well, if this guy can do what we do, what makes us special? What makes us stand up? Like if if we follow Jesus and we're able to do all these amazing things and somebody else who isn't part of our group is able to do that, then how are we distinct? How are we set apart, Jesus? What about us, what about me? See, it's, it's about validation. And by the way, I'm not, I'm saying it's about validation, not ambition, like you don't have to be ambitious to be, in, to, to be in on this game, this validation game, right? I suspect this is what our addiction to the news cycle is about. As, you're not like ambitious, like I'm gonna be the most the most uh, like no one has like I think has this ambition to like I'm going to be one of these pundits on TV who knows what's really going on and that's why I pay attention to the news cycle. No it's I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be the last person to hear about this. I want to be in the know or at least I want other people to believe that I'm in the know. Right? That's what's that's what's really going on. You know I was just having lunch with someone in our congregation the other day and we were joking about how uh, our time in New York, he used to live there. He and his wife their family lived there, and I just, I just skated in and out, but I was in, in that culture a little bit. You can't get away with a conversation without somebody dropping part of the resume on you. You know what I mean? And it's not like we do, we, that doesn't happen here either, but you know, you have a conversation, somebody's gonna say where well, they went to school, they're gonna say which Fortune 100 company they interned at, you know, they're gonna say who they had lunch with at whatever year. They're dropping little pieces of their resume around. And we can joke about that and say, well, that's not, you know, that's not me. That's not what I do. But you know what? We have our other ways of playing the game. You know, here I I was just talking with um, preaching at uh, Union Gospel Mission. I was telling them about this, you know, like, hey, you know what? You might have opted out of the whole, like, get ahead in society game and get your validation by your degrees and your pedigree and your career and all that but you know get, like giving your middle finger to uncle sam and society that's you're still playing the game you're just like turning the rules around but you're still playing that game you're getting your validation by being an outsider rather than an insider you're actually saying i'm i'm on the inside of this ring this is the ring that you want to be in not this other one over here. And we all got it, right? We, we all do this. You, you might not be like, hey, I want to be an outsider, which is kind of like what skateboarding was for me, and now it's like, dang it, I, now I wanted to be on the fringe, and now I'm just in the mainstream, now I'm nothing, you know? Um, that might not be your thing. But you're like, everywhere I go, my kids gotta look cute, you know? I gotta have cute kids. Or anytime someone comes over, the house has gotta be clean. It's gotta look like I live in this immaculate palace every single time anyone comes over. You don't actually live like that. Nobody goes to bed with a three-piece suit on, right? We all, like, find ways of getting our validation through something that isn't Jesus. We, we want to be validated. We want to be part of a group. We want to be on the ends. Or you could be like, here's, here's another one. This is the one that I would say I struggle with the most. The person who's like... I see through it all. I see this game going on everyone 's playing this validation game, and i 'm standing above it i 'm not playing it it 's like no, you are that 's just for you. The game is to not be playing that game you know that 's how you win the game is by being above the game. you know we all do it, we all do it, okay The whole thing here 's the thing though the whole thing functions as a form of soul-crushing law, because guess what happens? If you're not on the outside enough, you're nobody, you're nothing. Or if you're not on the inside enough, you're nobody, you're nothing. If your kids aren't cute enough, if your house isn't clean enough, you know, if you don't know enough, if you're not in the know on the news cycle enough, if you're not, whatever it is, educated enough, you don't make enough money, you don't live in, in, in the zip code, whatever it is, you're trying to get your validation from that. And when you don't, it crushes you. You say, I'm nothing. Maybe you're single and you're like, I'm not married enough, it crushes you. Or you're married and you're like, definitely not single enough, not free enough. You know, it, it kills you, uh, it crushes you inside. Jesus, the gospel Jesus gives to these guys, he's saying, look, whoever gives you a cup of cold water because you're part of the OG, because you're one of the 12, Because you're able to cast out demons. No. Because you belong to me. In the Greek, it actually, the word belong isn't there. It says, because you are Christ. You are His. That's the only place to actually get your validation. And Jesus is saying, you can give up that game. You can give it up. You You can just belong to me. And... That, when someone shows you honor, that's what the cup of cold water is, it's to show hospitality. When somebody gives you the honor of showing you hospitality, they're not giving it to you because you're you're in the special group. It's because you belong to me. So, I guess, you know, here here we go. You always gotta have that turn where you're like, let's get into application now, right? So, here's the first thing. I've been saying it over and over again. I'll just say it again. Give up on the game. Give up on the game. Whatever it is you're seeking to give you validation that isn't Jesus, that thing is going to let you down. It will. No matter what. It, even it, it, let's just say it holds you up for a while. Eventually, it will let you down. It will go away. Nothing is permanent. Nothing is permanent except for God. Is it your good looks, your body, your physical appearance? Like, that's going to go away? Is it your job? Someone else is going to get it. No matter what it is, it's going to go away. So whatever it is, <clears throat> whatever it is, oh, and by the way, uh, you can, you can do this as a way of saying like, I want Jesus, but, but I also want this too. Uh, Jesus doesn't, he, he doesn't have rival lords. He won't be, he won't be a rival master. He actually says you cannot serve two masters. So if you're like, I want Jesus and I want some of this too, Jesus is saying, you don't want me. Okay. That's, that's to be, that's to be on the other side. That's to have another master. It's very, very exclusive. It's irritatingly exclusive in our time because, you know, the world around us is like, well, how come, how come Jesus can't be just a nice guy and say like, hey, you can have me and you can have all these other things. You know, you do you, whatever it is that, that gets you going. You know, you can take me, you can take a little bit of that, take a little bit of something else. Why not? Jesus doesn't do that. He, he, he doesn't allow for that. He says it's me or nothing. If it's me plus, that's whatever else. That's not me. I won't won't play rivalries. And Jesus is like this, by the way, because he wants to set us free. Think about, you know, throughout the Bible, there are these words that God uses for what he does for us. There are words like salvation, come to save you, I've come to set you free. I've come to give you life. Uh, We are adopted. We are adopted children. All of these words imply something about us. We can only come to God through this. He says this is who he is for us. We can only know him in this way. The only way you can know him when he says, I am your savior is if you are somebody who needs to be saved. Don't come to Jesus as an intellectual looking for some stimulation. Don't come to him as a good person, a good moral person who just needs a little bit of a leg up. Those options are not open to you. You can only come to him as a sinner who needs a savior. That's the only option. He doesn't present himself as the God of good advice. He doesn't present himself as an an assistant to help you. He is going to help you, and he is brilliant. He's better than any professor you're ever going to get. So if you want the intellectual stimulation, you will get that along the way. But if you come to him, you know, Jesus doesn't say, come to me, all you who are mostly okay, but you just need a little bit more. He says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, which is a way of saying, those of you who are exhausted, hanging on by a thread, desperate, come to me like that. And if you're not coming to him like that, um, you are missing something huge. Because you will not know, this is the way Jesus, this is the way, the God who made everything says, this is the way you know me, okay? This is the way you can know me, like this. He doesn't say the way that you know me is you turn the lights down low and you light the candles and you always have the synth going in the background when somebody's praying, and then you hit the notes at just the right time, or, here's how you know me, you go into the woods, and you spend some time alone. I'm not saying you, you won't know God doing that. I'm saying, biblically, this is how God says you know me. To know him, for, if you don't know him this way, I don't know what else you're knowing. This is the way the Bible says that you know God. So, if you are not feeling him in this way, you probably need to get in touch with the fact that you are Desperate. You are in desperate need of a Savior, and if you don't know that, you will not know Him this way, and you won't know His love for you. That's the thing. To know Him is to know His love for you. If you don't know God's love for you, you probably need to get in touch with the fact that you really need Him. You need someone to love you this way. You need someone to validate you this way. This is why if you're single, you're like, I'm desperate to be married because you need this kind of validation, and you're looking for it in your spouse, and guess what? Once you get that from your spouse, you're going to look for it somewhere else. All the married people said amen, right? Come to Jesus and to Jesus alone. That's the second point. It's all about Jesus. He's the one who was rejected. Do you realize that? He's the one who was pushed out of the inner ring. In fact, it's the inner ring that murdered him. Okay? So you can trust him when he says, give up that game. Don't, don't, just don't even play it. He's the one who was rejected so that you could be invited into the the only inner ring that really matters, the only place where you will find your validation and you will have it forever. You will never lose it. As long as Jesus is your number one thing, the number one pursuit, the thing that you're investing your whole self into, you will never be disappointed. This is what Jonathan Edwards said about this. Sorry, I'm losing my voice uh, because I have children and so we're sick nonstop. So I modernized this because if I actually quoted Jonathan Edwards, you wouldn't know what I was saying or he was saying. Here's what he says, no matter what changes a godly man, once again, inclusive. This is when man meant men and women, okay? No matter what changes a godly man must endure, he will always remain happy because his greatest joy and delight is in God who does not change. Though the godly man loses many or indeed all the things he enjoys in this life, he cannot lose God And so cannot lose what he prefers and delights in above all else. How great is the happiness of those who have chosen the fountain of all good, who prefer him above all things in heaven or on earth, and who can never be deprived of him, their chief joy, for all eternity. So that's the second application point. Choose Jesus. And remain in him. Stay there. Make him your chief joy. Don't get sucked into this validation game where you're going to get something else besides him is going to tell you you're good enough. You're enough. Jesus says, I love you and I died for you. That's enough. It's enough. Final thing I will say. The third thing is... You try and do the things I'm saying. You know, give up on the game. Give up on the game. Throw yourself on Jesus. Make him your only love. You will not be able to do that alone. And that's if, if, if everything is working, you're firing on all cylinders, you're still not going to be able to do it. You need your brothers and sisters You're saved into a family. It's not an option. You don't get to opt in and out of a family. You don't, there, once again, just like knowing God comes through knowing you're a sinner and he's a savior. He's a rescuer. Getting saved means being in a family. You don't get to opt out. Now, you can, you can uh, be alone, but what I'm saying is you're not gonna have success and you're not gonna experience salvation if you try to do it alone. I need other people, you know, <laughs> I need other people to remind me of things. This is why the word remember, the imperative to remember comes up over and over and over and over and over and over again in the Bible is because we forget, we need each other. We need to remind each other what's true. You know why you keep, one of the reasons why you keep coming back here every single week and hear Cameron and I say basically the same thing over and over again, and if it wasn't here, it'd be somewhere else, is because we forget it. We need someone else to tell us this. I need somebody to tell me, hey, You know what? It looks like you're starting to play the game again. Hey, you know what? It looks like you're starting to find your validation somewhere else. Hey, are you still remaining in Jesus? It doesn't really look like. You need somebody else to see you and to keep you on track. We need someone else to say, to tell us when we're asking the question, what about me, instead of what about Jesus? We need someone else. So, give up the game. Choose and remain in Jesus. And stay with your family. Stay in the church family. With that, let's pray and then move into a time of song where we'll continue to worship.